Hey, hello to everybody at Geek Space. This is Stan Lee saying Excelsior. It's Geekscape. Dickscape. Yeah, not space. What did I say? Space? space. Dickscape. <laughs> yeah, like landscape. Right. Hey, I didn't mean Dickspace. <laughs> hello to everybody at Dickscape. <laughs> no, Dickspace. That is beyond Wait. good enough, Stan. Dickscape, <laughs> all right. This is Stanley wishing everybody at Geekscape all the best. I wish you could all be here with us now, but since you're not, hello and good luck and Excelsior. Geekscapist, Jonathan here. Welcome to a brand new Geekscape episode. And this one's going to be a little special. If you guys are new to Geekscape, we usually talk to someone in the world of movies, video games, comic books, TV, about uh, telling stories. This is a a podcast that I started to tell stories, share stories, hear stories from other people who are involved in uh, movies, video games, comics, pop culture. And... uh, and that was kind of the, the goal 12 years ago was to give, it started out really my thoughts on reviews and news and things like that, sitting with a guest. Uh, and then it evolved into uh, more in-depth conversations with people who shape that stuff and create uh, things. And, um, and that was the goal with Geekscape was to talk about creating stories and pop culture and all the things that have fed me for most of my life. Um, and uh, I had thought for a while, uh, if you go back on the feed, you'll realize I, I haven't put up an episode in about two weeks. Um, in the last couple episodes were all our recorded panel discussions from LA Comic Con. So I was feeling a bit of a burnout, and this is episode 501. So I'm, I'm, it's a nice chance for a retrospective, and I had been planning for a long time uh, to be doing some sort of a State of the Union episode where... I kind of look back a little bit about the 12 years uh, that we've been doing Geekscape and think whether or not we're on uh, kind of on course with the mission and uh, a chance to like recalibrate. So um, obviously, uh, as I'm getting set to record this episode yesterday, I get news that Stan Lee passed. And if there's a singular architect for everything that we do here, um, I would have to say it's Stan. I I'm still trying to put things in to words. Uh, Stan was somebody who I spent my entire life wanting to meet. Um, growing up as a kid, um, my heroes were, you know, Stan Lee, <laughs> my dad. Uh, you know, people who could make music or play basketball really well. But ultimately, when it came down to it. You know, even as a filmmaker today, I, none of my heroes were, were filmmakers. I didn't really get into film until uh, college. Um, I was pretty late. Uh, comic books were the language of choice for me. And obviously, without comic books, you don't have, you know, uh, a lot of the, the 
language that we have in movies and in video games. You look at movies and video games today, and, and so much of it is dominated by comic books. And they're the ones that seem to get skirted the most. But as a kid, growing up, um, <clears throat> I think more than anything, I just wanted stability. And I don't know if that's something that, that you share listening to this, if stability was kind of your goal growing up. But for me, um, really early on, being the middle child of three boys, um, you know, I definitely wanted stability. It was It was like my most important thing. And, you know, and my mother was having, you know, I, I look back at my mom who was born and raised in Guadalajara and had to grow up in, you know, had to, got married in Texas. Her, you know, my parents were both in their second marriages. And, um, and I was just thinking about this, this idea because I just visited my mom about two months ago and I was thinking about her experiences and I asked her about her experiences in, in, in Texas and it wasn't easy. We, we had people who would come to our house like exterminators and people, maintenance people, and when my mother would answer the door, they would ask for the for the. <laughs> they would think she was a maid. Um, straight up, people thought my mom was a maid, and it wasn't easy for her to live there. And for periods of my life, she you know she would go to Mexico and spend it with her family. It was easier for her. Um, and I look up, and I'm sitting here. Uh, wanting that stability. And when my parents divorced, I think I wanted that stability. When my older brother was killed, I wanted that stability. When I moved to LA, I wanted that stability. Like everything in my life has been this quest to have something stable. So when I look back at starting Geekscape 12 years ago and the whole point of starting Geekscape, I can always say things like, oh, I never thought we'd make it to 12 years. I absolutely thought we'd make it to 12 years. That's never something I'm going to say. Uh, Geekscape was designed to always be here for the rest of at least my life. And what I didn't imagine was that it would spawn other shows. So things like Geekscape Games or uh, Horror Movie Night or any of the other other shows that we have on the Geekscape Network. I didn't think that would happen. I didn't also think that so many people would listen to the show or become really a family online. Uh, That wasn't part of the intention it was just a place for me to keep telling stories and at the end of the day no matter what happened with my film career because I came out here and I didn't know anybody and it wasn't really working uh and you can argue it still doesn't (laughs) um I always had this and, and I just wanted to set this up as something where at the end of the day at least I had this and if zero people listened if thousands of people listened, it didn't make a difference. I was going to talk uh, and express myself because uh, as someone who just wanted stability, that, that's the way it was. And, um, and and I needed to build that for myself. Um, there were a lot of things I built for myself in, in the quest for that, like my marriage, etc., that didn't pan out. And, um, and having other people involved is, is always that that gamble and you know people grow and they grow together and they grow apart and uh, you build things together and sometimes you look up and you realize they don't work uh, for one party or both Um, and you you sometimes never see those things coming Um, and with Geekscape uh, this is something that I want to continue for a long time uh, for the rest of it, 
this is it. That's what it's built for. And that's something that George Callard, my partner here, and I have talked about for a long time. And sometimes that means keeping it small. Uh, we've talked about scaling uh, quite a few times. There's there's some things that I've thought about uh, and researched about that might help us scale, might help us get bigger. But really, to what end? At what point is scaling? Let's t- let's say we turn into Nerdist. Let's say we turn into we get bought by a company and we turn into a big geek outlet at what point does that just stop being the place where jonathan can go and express himself and have a a direct through line to you at what point does that get away from me at what point do other agendas start coming into play that i have to be privy to like how does that happen at what point do opinions start coming back to me that keep me from being able to express my voice uh so i've always been really weary of that and as much as last week I have meetings about what to do with Geekscape. And people always say, build it. Well, I'm pretty happy. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy with this stuff. Um, I, I've been writing a lot. I've been teaching a lot. Uh, and um, we're getting ready to shoot some film. And we've been meeting and putting team together to shoot... Uh, Stuck in Lavar, which is a Geekscape co-produced project, and I've been watching movies again, which is great. I finished Spider-Man, which was fantastic, and then I finished the Spider-Man DLC, which was great, and I 100%ed that, and I felt so happy that I was like, now I can play Red Dead Redemption 2, and Geekscape, I started Red Dead Redemption 2, and I can't even make it out of the first camp scene, because... Uh, I've just been so in love with the process of writing and start and, and telling stories and like getting things out of me and evoking things in others, uh, mainly <laughs> my producer who's reading this uh, stuff and uh, and I've just been enjoying it. So expect a lot of like the film stuff to start moving really quickly. Uh, hopefully, I'm knocking on wood right now, but hopefully that stuff starts moving really quickly because that's what Geekscape was supposed to be. Is this place where I could just kind of have my outlet and a base from which Everything else can come. Um, so in that way, I feel really satisfied. Um, Stan Lee, let's talk. Because Stan Lee has always been a big part of Geekscape. Um, even before he was part of Geekscape. And uh, I started the show with the bumper that I wanted him to record for us back in, I believe, 2008 or nine. Uh, that's the famous Dickscape bumper. Um, <laughs> that was our first interaction with Stan Lee <laughs> and you heard it um <laughs> the immediate classic is just Stan maybe he wasn't hearing me properly maybe he actually thought I was a dick <laughs> but <laughs> calling Geekscape Dickscape uh it doesn't get much more classic than that um so that was our first interaction with Stan um I thought that would be it and um and then a few years later maybe one or two uh, we start working with Regina Carpinelli and the Kamikaze Expo here in Los Angeles. And as you guys know, that the, I hope you know, that convention ended up becoming Stan Lee's LA Comic Con is now back to LA Comic Con. But when Stan was involved, and he was involved from the beginning, he was always like the guest of honor at that convention. He's here in LA. Um, LA has all the celebrities. And who's a bigger celebrity when it comes to pop culture than Stan Lee? Um... So very early on, we wanted to raise visibility for the convention, and we threw a party at San Diego Comic-Con. And uh, 
Um, the party was at one of the hotels in a banquet hall, um, a, a penthouse upstairs. Not a penthouse. Is that a penthouse? It's a banquet hall. It's a banquet hall. It was a dance banquet hall. And the thing is, we didn't have much money for this party at all. And we in and, and Regina and I had to put this party together on like a shoestring budget. Um, vol, you know, people had to donate stuff. Uh, if we wanted a DJ, Shane O'Hare, uh, one of the hosts of Geekscape Games, he had to be the DJ, which was great because I wanted him to be the DJ. I wanted Geekscape to be a part of this party for this comic convention that was going to become synonymous with Stan Lee. That was huge for me, was having a real Geekscape presence there and having Shane DJ that party I knew was going to be big for Shane. I knew it was going to be big for me. And it was kind of it was the kind of opportunity that I built Geekscape to create for you. It was the one thing where I, if you listen to a Geekscape episode, I wanted to feel like you're getting to know these people that maybe you admire or don't uh, or, or don't think are approachable, uh, or maybe you don't think that you have anything in common with them. Um, so having Shane DJ this party for me was um, it was really important. And and Brian Walton, who was our managing editor then. Um, you know, he loves dancing and I remember he got out on the dance floor and just tore it up and everybody loved it. And, um, we just had a lot of fun and, and, and it was, it was good to, it was good to see people show up and for Geekscape to be a part of making people happy. And the biggest part of the night for me, obviously was when Stan arrived. When I was a kid, I told you my, like, biggest like friends <laughs> were those fictitious characters it was mickey mouse it was mario it was uh kermit the frog and it was spider-man and those were like my, my best friends no matter what happened with your actual friends uh you know you get in fights <coughs> we used to play stickball in this yard it's an empty lot across the street from my mom's house you get in a fight they're not your friends anymore. But but those guys were always your friends. The Hobbit, you know, Bilbo Baggins, Kermit, those guys were always your friends. They were always there for you, right? And everybody had those those characters growing up that they were in love with. And I think we're really into pop culture because of that. When I would go on these trips to Mexico every summer with my mom, we would drive. A lot of times we would drive. And, and I would sit in the back <coughs> and I would just read comics. Comics were either in English or they were in Spanish. And that's how I would pass the hours, driving down I-35 to Laredo, from Laredo to Guadalajara, through northern and middle Mexico. I don't think that's a trip you can make today, because northern Mexico's a war zone in most places. <coughs> Sorry, I'm getting choked up. One summer... Um, we were driving back from Guadalajara and my grandfather was, was driving. My older brother was in the front seat and my mom and my, my younger brother, Paul, were in the middle area and we, we, we were in this minivan and I was stretched across the back of this minivan reading comics, just laying on the luggage, right? I think I was still the height where I could lay lengthwise across this luggage <coughs> and there I am flipping through comics on my way back to Texas with a bunch of the comics that I'd picked up in Mexico. And Mexico still has newsstands. And Mexico still has newsstands on corners and town squares and and things like that. So it was always 
you know, it was like the spinner rack when, when I was a kid and I would spend my allowance uh, at the spinner rack, you know. And when my parents got divorced and I had to go live with my, you know, I didn't live with my dad. My dad got weekends. Um, and I, when I'd go, my dad would pick us up on Fridays to spend the weekend with him. He, <coughs> he was a bachelor again. He didn't have anything for us to eat, you know, in his fridge. He had to go to the grocery store. So we, we, oh, he'd always pick us up and we'd go to the grocery store. And at the grocery store was that spinner rack. And the spinner rack had all those comics in it. And he'd give me the allowance and give my brothers the allowance. And each of us would probably be able to afford one or two comic books. And then over the course of the weekend, we would share them and trade them. And those were so important to me, right? Because that was the stability. I'd spent the week at my mother's house. Probably getting beaten up by my older brother. And now I had to go to my dad's new house and figure out the new dynamic, new neighborhood. I remember I started a fight. I was so angry. I started a fight with a kid in the neighborhood. He beat the crap out of me. I remember he beat the crap out of me. Um, Just because, I don't know, maybe it was a prison sense or something. Like Something in me was like, new neighborhood, I'm going to start a fight. And I remember he beat me up in the front yard of my house. He was several grades older than me. <laughs> and um, and again, it was like that, that need for stability and the spinner rack and like those stories were my stability. And here I was laying back in this minivan on the way back from Mexico. And my grandfather, he hits this patch of water and the minivan spins. And it, it spins off the road, hits the dirt, And it rolls. Horrible accident. Surprised we all survived. Um, The two people who aren't with us anymore, my older brother and my grandfather, were the ones who survived without a scratch. My brother fractured his arm. My mother had a concussion. And I, because of the centrifugal force of the roll of the van, was shot out the back window. The back window of the minivan. Hit Hit the thing. It popped out the window. I woke up in this... Like heat of this desert, <clears throat> right? And all I could feel was this heat around my head. Turned out, turns out, I had I had cut my, uh, my 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 left ear was almost gone. It had almost been cut off. And if in you know, if I see you, I'll show you the scar. <laughs> Every time I go to get a haircut, uh, and they want to trim my um, my. Uh, Every time I go to get a haircut and they want to trim my sideburns, I have to point out the scar there because there's still scar, uh, some scars around my ear. And, uh, and I just remember getting up because I had fallen asleep and I woke up out here on the, you know, in the middle of this desert by the road and I'm on glass, the glass of this broken window. <clears throat> and I look up and my comics are all blowing away. They're all just blowing away. And it was starting to get dark. Um... And there was a, an ambulance a few, um, there was an ambulance a few cars behind us, miraculously, because this is a long stretch of road, and who knows? If there hadn't been an ambulance, maybe I wouldn't be here. It was a lot of blood. Um, but I remember the, the minivan was on its roof, and I remember the door sliding open and Paul seeing me, and I was wandering in the desert, <laughs> and my comics were blowing away. And when my father got the phone call, he drove straight from Austin. And I remember he brought me 
my Incredible Hulk action figure. Uh, my first job in high school, as you guys have heard, if you listened to the episode from a year ago with Adnan and Daryl, reminiscing about Westlake Comics and Cards and our job there, <clears throat> my first job in high school was a, was a comic book store. <clears throat> and, um, and that was important. That's what I think led to film. That's what led to radio, which led to this podcast. And again, Stan was the architect for all of that. I was always a Marvel guy. You know, I liked DC. Obviously, you know, you grow up in the 80s and 90s. That whole period in the late 80s, early 90s, around the Batman films and Watchmen and Crisis on Infinite Earths and the Teen Titans, all that stuff is such great storytelling in dc but oh i mean come on that was like the that was like the claremont burn era of x-men that's when the image guys were popping off and doing great work at marvel first and then at their own publication of image in 1994 and some of the comics in the 90s were really bad and obviously by 1999 marvel was filing for bankruptcy but i was a marvel guy and nothing was bigger than, Mar- than than Marvel's, you know, Chairman Emeritus, Mr. Stanley. So, throwing that party with Stanley in 2010, 2011 at San Diego Comic Con. Thank you, Regina Carpinelli, so much. Uh, it was insane. It was insane to be in a place where I was shaking Stanley's hand, and we were standing in front of the Geekscape logo and Stanley's Pal Entertainment logo. And I was like, holy crap. I remember skipping home that night just thinking it was the one of the best nights of my life. And Brian Walton had killed it on the dance floor and Shane O'Hare had killed it on the turntables <coughs> or his iPod or I don't know. <laughs> I think he had turntables. <laughs> and, um, and it was just great. Uh, I think it was the first night we actually met our, our good friend Doug Jones who... You know, uh, ended up playing the Silver Surfer and all that. <coughs> so, um, that was that. Uh, a few over the next couple of years, I would host panels at Stanley's convention. There's a video on Geekscape TV of Stan and I talking. Um, <coughs> that's up there. Stan gave me an autographed poster that is framed and hanging in my hallway right now. Uh, it's a piece of artwork with him surrounded by all of, uh, his creations, right? And I think it's a J. Scott Campbell piece, um, and, and Stan signed it. Now it's definitely one of my prized possessions. But I want to tell you, like, really, like, one, I I wrote it on Facebook, so maybe you wrote it, you already read it, but... It goes back to this idea of like what Geekscape is for. It's don't hate, create. And this idea of stability. Because I think that these stories that we spend each podcast listening to and talking about, um, I think that they're for our stability. I think they're to give us these cultural contexts. When man crawls out of the cave and looks up at the night sky and sees all these stars and doesn't have an understanding for it, they make up stories that then turn into myth. And they give them context. And ultimately they guide them across oceans. And it's only because 
they they looked to the stars in the first place and the stories led to the facts <clears throat> and the facts within themselves the facts outside of themselves but it's all context it's all stability it's all our place in the world so that's what this podcast is for me and the storytelling in general <clears throat> and when you don't hate and you create as i've learned in the last two years which they've been hard years guys there have been times i've thought about quitting there have been times i've thought about you know just handing the reins over to somebody else <clears throat> and just saying hey man this little brand that we built i'm gonna go do something else um you know, when the relationship with, like, Westwood One didn't work out. Stuff like that. Um, it was tough. It was like, holy crap, man. Like, when are we going to catch a break? When is uh, uh, one of our partners going to promote us the way that we feel like we need to be promoted? I made a stretch of shows last spring that I thought were really great shows. And I think every time I turn on the microphone and talk to a creator, I'm getting really great insight. And I feel like our show is valuable from a storytelling perspective. And for the storytellers who, when the mic goes off, they tell me that this is one of the favorite, their favorite conversations. And they feel like they just had the most therapeutic experience. And I feel that what we're doing here is really valuable. So when a situation like that happens, where we have a partner even if the partner is really only there to promote us, and that doesn't happen, I, I'm like, wait a minute, <laughs> here I am taking my podcast and putting them over on another host company like Pinecast, and that question of stability comes up, which then turns into a question of validity. Do Is what we're doing going to get us to that goal of being here in 20 years and being a place where I can keep doing this in 20 years where someone like Frank Sanders or Daniel Camposano or any of our friends that we've made over the last 12 you know years of doing Geekscape you know um, Eli Rary these people who look to the show or look to the community to help them and give them this context and this community like when that stuff gets called into question because of something like a uh, a partnership not working out, I just want to throw it up and just be like, what the, like, wh- how do you not see the value in community or in the message of not hating a craving? Maybe it's me. Like, maybe the function isn't fitting the form or vice versa. Maybe I'm not the guy to do it. But then, was it ever just me to begin with? Right? So, as you listen to this, and as you think about Stan, and I'll continue, I'll tell you one last story. Um, Think about Don't Hate Create, and think about the point of this whole little thing that we've been doing for 12 years. Because when you hate something, you are tearing it down. And like, you're throwing venom. And oftentimes you're like poisoning something else, you know, or trying to, but you're the one drinking it, right? You can't live in that festering hate. 
Um, but when you create something, you make a connection. If you make a piece of artwork, someone's going to see something in it. When you use your voice, someone's going to hear it, whether it's one person or thousands. And that's the strength of it. Those are the connections. The Geekscape Games guys are going through some growing pains. Guys and gals. <laughs> and Shane and I had a long talk about the direction of the show and what what the purpose of it was. And I won't get into the behind the scenes of the Geekscape, but... Um, you know, we wrote an email that, you know to the team that just said, Hey, if you're not enjoying what you're doing, don't do it. Take a breather. Find a way to get excited. Be positive. I'm right here recording because I'm positive. Stanley just died yesterday and I'm positive. Because how couldn't you be? He gave so much to us. There were so many stories and connections and inspirations that he, that, that he helped create. With people like Steve Ditko and Jack Kirby. And the whole Marvel bullpen. Right? That's magical stuff. How could you be negative? Yesterday, I don't even think I was sad. I was... I put my head down to rest last night. Next to my Spider-Man pillow. (laughs) And I was just like, holy shit. He was such a big part of your life. Um... But the idea of don't hate create is something that's like, hey, we're here for connections. We're here for empathy. We're here for bringing people together. We're here to make things that will be little lights that people are drawn to. This podcast, people are drawn to it. You know, the community, people are drawn to it. Sometimes they leave. That's fine. Sometimes they unsubscribe. That's great. They were drawn to something else. But I hope that they're not carrying hate. I hope that it's not destructive. I hope the connections aren't dying. I hope they're growing. Right? So, the last time I saw Stanley in person, I told this story on Facebook. And it is like something that I kept to myself for a very long time <laughs> two years. Um, and Eric Francisco, former Geekscapist, now with Inverse.com called me to ask for quotes. And he said, what is a personal story between you and Stan that nobody else knows? I was like, dude, that is, that's actually a really personal story. And he, and I told it to him, and he, he's going to put it in an article that Inverse is going to put out. But I wanted to beat him to press, so I went and posted it on Facebook <laughs> in my own words. And the story is this. Last time I I met Stan, I felt like a complete fucking loser. Um, It was about a a month, month and a half after I had left my marriage. And I did that for so many reasons that I realize now had to do with my feeling of instability. Internally, externally, that is obviously tied to this feeling of self-worth. We just talked about that, right? I wasn't going where I wanted to go. Um, And I wasn't going there very quickly. Uh, I was unhappy. I felt like my career was... Anything I I touched would would fall through my fingers like sand. Uh, The only thing I was doing for any self-validation was my running. 
which didn't have any connection. It felt like to Geekscape at all. Um, and my feeling of self-worth was trash. And I left. Did I blame my partner for it? I'm sure some. Did I understand? Of course. Like, <laughs> resentment isn't born overnight. You know, you, people follow the scripts that you write. They eat the things that they feed you. You've heard that story, which is the wolf that you'll feed, right? The, the wolf that survives is the wolf that you feed. If you feed your anger, the wolf will grow. If you feed love, it will grow. Goes back again. Don't hate, create. And I'd gotten to a point where I just was in agony. And... Stan Lee's Comic Con, coming on up. <laughs> I had removed my wedding ring. I was spinning out so badly. If you saw me at the booth that weekend, I was catatonic. And there are people like Dylan Mora who will tell you that. He's a geekscapist, has his own podcast. And he came up to me that weekend, and I was out of it. I remembered his name, but I was out of it. And Keith Tralins, who's been on this podcast, asked me to host a panel of the legends of comic books with Stan Lee, I believe Jim Lee, I believe Rob Liefeld, a couple other people. And he wanted me to moderate it. He wanted me to moderate that panel. I didn't want to moderate anything. I couldn't even moderate my own life. I was fucking done. I didn't want anybody looking at me, much less be up on stage. And Cooper Barnes, who's been on the show, <laughs> Mr. Captain Man from Nickelodeon's Henry Danger, he plays a superhero on TV and he's been one of my closest friends and such a great supporter since he first came on Geekscape way back when, wearing a Spider-Man shirt. That was in 2010 or 11, his first time on Geekscape. And Cooper says, my dream is just to meet Stan Lee. That's been my dream for so long. My entire life, I've just wanted to meet Stan Lee. And I knew that if I hosted this panel, if I moderated this panel, I could be, behind, I could be backstage with Stan before the panel. And if Cooper was there and I got him there, he could meet Stan Lee. That was it. So I was like, absolutely. I will help you <laughs> with Stan Lee. Because suffering, guys, and maybe you're going through some shit right now. Suffering is just this excessive focus on self. I believe that's Tony Robbins who says that. And this idea that whatever you're going through has only ever happened to you is insane. And when you start helping other people, and when you start looking at other people's lives, or even just listening to them, you start to realize that your myopic tunnel-visioned way of thinking led to you your creation of this little prison in which your misery could fester. Because you were clearly the only one who's ever been through that. And I don't want to dismiss whatever you're going through. But building a bridge out of it by starting to focus on others is a great way to share, alleviate, and cure the pain. 
So, I wasn't conscious of that at the time. I just wanted to help Cooper Barnes, and I took the moderating duty on this panel. Cooper meets Stan Lee, and there's photos on Cooper's profile and on his Instagram. Uh, I think he's real Cooper Barnes on Instagram, and he's beaming. And I took those photos, and I was so happy, but I didn't want a photo with Stan. I was miserable. I didn't want any documentation that I existed at that point. I I wanted to disappear. So I didn't take a photo with Stan. And we go up, and we have this panel, and these guys are all talking about stories from comics, you know, making comics, creating comics. They're talking to Stan. <clears throat> maybe, maybe, maybe Jerry Dugan, former Geekscape guest Jerry Dugan, was on that panel too. I believe he may have been. I believe that's the first time I asked him about coming on Geekscape. So <clears throat> we're up on stage, and I'm so out of it. I'm zoning in and out. I'm literally just giving them prompted questions and letting them talk. I'm not talking to them at all. I'm just there to keep the conversation moving for the crowd. And so I'm literally like zoning out. I'm such I'm in such misery, and I'm I'm feeling so just I I just didn't want to be there. I didn't want everybody in that audience looking at me. And everybody's on stage is laughing, and I'm faking the laugh. <laughs> No. And I realized I'm staring at their hands and they all had wedding rings on. Every single one of the people up on that stage was married. And I looked down at my hand and I could still see the tan line and the impression from a ring I had just removed. A marriage I'd gotten into because, again, I wanted stability. And now that stability was gone, but the stability is always an illusion. It was, it, there's only stability in yourself. The only stability you're ever going to have in your life is when you build it in yourself and draw others to it. And here I was looking at my r- empty ring finger and theirs like a total effing loser. It was one of the lowest moments of my life. And I realized they're not talking anymore. <laughs> Nobody on stage was talking. They had had their conversation. They had finished the prompt. They had come to a nice closing place. And they were all staring back at me to keep the conversation going with my next question. Oh, holy shit. (laughs) I was so focused on my own misery and my differences from them and being the odd man out that I just fell apart and just lost it and just forgot where I was. And so when I looked up and they were all staring at me for the next, you know, for the next question, uh, I jumped. I was like, oh yeah. So uh, I fumbled with my notes. I put it all together. Man, what a weird time that was. I never told anybody that story, but what comes next is even better. And it's a testament to who Stan was. The last time I saw Stan. Afterwards, we're backstage. We just wrapped up our panel. The next panel is we're getting ready to take the stage. And there's a little bit of shifting going around as people are coming and going. But somebody wants to take a photo of everybody. And there's like six comic legends, including Stan, in me. It's a perfect time for me to just slink away, go back to the booth, and sulk and be miserable and wait out the rest of the convention so I can go home and sulk and be miserable. (laughs) 
And uh, so somebody's about to take the picture. Everybody's smiling. They're all wrapping their hands around each other. I'm totally about to exit stage left. Just like get the get me as far away from this photo as possible. And I feel this little hand wrap around my elbow. And he's like, "Where are you going?" You're in this, ain't you? You're a part of this, ain't you? <laughs> I'm paraphrasing, but it was, where are you going? You're a part of this, ain't you? And it was Stan. And Stan grabbed me by my elbow and pulled me back into the photo. And somewhere, I don't have it. Again, I didn't ask for that photo. I didn't wanted no documentation of that state of my, that phase of my life. I wanted nothing to do with it. I didn't want to be a part of, my, of it. If I could have skipped that whole period of my life, I would have done it. And Stan pulled me that photo, and that was it. He made me feel, he made me feel like a part of it. He, he, and that was always Stan. You, ne- you were never nervous meeting Stan Lee, ever, because he was immediately your friend. He was immediately excited to meet you. He was immediately someone who had a story to tell or an ear to listen. And that's how he made me feel that day. It was the one part in that entire weekend where I felt validated and I felt like I was a part of something. And I think I've said multiple times over this last few minutes of the podcast how important those connections and that stability are to me. And I think it's important to all of us. Maybe I'm just assuming and maybe I'm just being silly and miserable and focusing on my own likes and wants and needs. But... Um, but that stability was huge and Stan gave that to me when I needed it the most where are you going you're a part of this ain't you (laughs) and he just brought me in and there I was standing enforcing a smile with the comics legends and you know what that's effing life we all deserve to be here and sometimes We just have to force the smile until we learn how to do it for ourselves again. I'm sitting here in an apartment, not my house, no dogs, no wife, talking to you guys on a podcast. At the end of the day, I built this thing, so as bad as it could possibly get for me, I'll at least always have that. The ability to sit here by myself and talk to you guys on a podcast. It brings me so much value and it's so important to me in the context of who I am that thank you. This is my State of the Union for Geekscape for 2018. (laughs) I've been wanting to say I love you and thank you for a long time now and how poignant that I'm doing it while memorializing my hero, Mr. Stanley, who called Geekscape Dickscape <laughs> at the same time. Uh, I love you guys. Thank you for subscribing. Next episode, we will be back uh, with a normal Geekscape where I sit down with a creator and talk about creation. I have several irons in the fire on guests. I just need to schedule them around our filming and Thanksgiving and living life so thank you for continuing to live your life with me um subscribe to your to it uh or tell your friends to subscribe and <laughs> all that stuff i'm gonna i'm kind of petering out here but 
um, social media, Geekscape, 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 Don't Hate Create, all that stuff. Love you guys. Geekscape forever. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.